it, it is a business, but we got into this because for me, it's a calling. Like I don't feel like my true self if I'm not doing some sort of artistically fulfilling performance, creation, something. Yeah. You know, something has to be in the works for me. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Confessions of an Actress podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Patterson, and I hope you're loving this new little groove that my husband wrote for the podcast. My husband, who is Dustin Braley of TSO, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. They're about to go on tour again, you guys. Get your tickets. But we're not going to talk about him this episode. This episode, I interviewed a mutual friend of ours who's a tremendous singer and actress named Erin Mosier, and she just happened to close Bad Out of Hell, the Meatloaf musical at City Center in New York City. It just closed a few days ago. Um, But when we talked in this episode, it had just opened. She had done the Today Show. She was like super tired, but she took the time to talk to me, and I just love her for that. In this episode, we talk a lot about her experiences and um, her love of the business and all of those things. And we also talk at the end about her side hustle and my side hustle and uh, stories behind that. And her side hustle is being a speech pathologist, which I think is amazing. And I think it's tremendous work. Um, But it also brought me to a little confession that I wanted to talk to you guys about. And I've been reading um, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, which is called Big Magic. And I think for anyone who's an artist, they should read it because it really kind of Um, just taps into a lot of things that I I just find myself nodding my head a lot when I'm when I'm reading it and the one thing that she said I'm going to quote the book now she says so many times I have longed to say to stressed out financially strapped artists just take the pressure off yourself dude and get a job there is no dishonor in having a job What is dishonorable is scaring away your creativity by demanding that it pay for your entire existence. I hope with all my heart that good fortune finds you and showers you with abundance. But don't count on the payoff, I beg of you, only because such payoffs are exceedingly rare and you might very well kill off your creativity by holding it to such a harsh ultimatum. You can always make your art on the side of your bread and butter job. Artists... Creativity matters to them enough that they are willing to make all kinds of extra sacrifices for it, which is so true. Thank you, Elizabeth Gilbert. But unless you come from money, this is what everyone does. Have a day job or two and carve out time and space to be creative and create. Thank you, Elizabeth Gilbert. And this is my confession. I was nodding my head. When I was reading this, I was like, thank you so much for somebody of note saying this because I feel like we measure our success in the entertainment industry on whether or not we can make a living at it, especially with people who don't know, like our parents or friends or whoever. I feel like we have to constantly justify the, the reason why we're doing something else for a living. And Aaron and I in this episode really kind of dive deep into stories about that and talk about that a little bit. But I really hope that you guys who are listening out there who have made it at times and then had to go back to a day job or whatever, know that there is no shame in it, okay? So saying all of that, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know that I really enjoyed talking to my friend Erin. And this one, I think you guys should take notes because there's a lot of good stuff in here. And she's just a tremendous person who I wish the most success to. 
Um, so without further ado, here is my great friend, Aaron Mosher. Thank you so much for being my guest and for taking time out. I know you're exhausted. It's been a little bit of a day, but thank you so much for having me. It's, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm totally excited to do it and talk to you. I know. You know, I was my actually... Friends, it has <laughs> been a while. It's been a while. And I I was thinking when as I was driving in my car, I was like, when did I meet you? Exactly. I, and I actually know exactly... Uh, not the, not the day or the year even, but, um, I remember the moment when I met you, when we were on location for that toothpaste commercial, (laughs) isn't that the stupidest thing? Thinking back to that moment, because we were, we were like, we were in this like small room and I was like, Hey, I'm like, Hey, what's up? We're doing this toothpaste commercial. (laughs) Yes. So the moment we met was on that toothpaste commercial. And I remember doing the commercial and just thinking how beautiful and stunning you were. And I remember walking down some street in New York city, I don't know, like 45th or whatever street it was. And we're just (laughs) talking up a storm and we're talking about Broadway. And I'm like, God, this chick's so cool. I want to hang out with her. And then years go by. And then all of a sudden we realize I hear like now your husband who I had done many shows with, with my previous husband, my ex, Um, and it's such a small world because I'd heard that you guys like met on a show and he was coming to do a show at Flat Rock Playhouse. And I heard that he met this amazing woman and I'm like, I couldn't wait to meet you. And then, and then I remember Dustin telling me, he's like, I think you guys know each other. I'm like, huh. I know. Wasn't that moment. And then when we saw each other, (laughs) we're like, like, wait, you're on the the toothpaste. Arm and hammer toothpaste. Remember? It was the most, it's the only thing we've done together. It's so hilarious and random. And I was saying, I'm like, it's so random, but that's, that's why I'm like, that's the business. And it's so fun. Sometimes when you connect all the dots, you're like, that's the weirdest thing. That's such like a life moment where I'm like, oh my God, we were we were on set for maybe like a day, I think, and like never really hung out. Mm-hmm. I think you moved down to Flat Rock. Um, I don't know. I just, I, we, we just didn't cross paths or ever do anything together. Uh, and that's all we did yeah. together, which was, I, I remember sitting on the couch for that toothpaste commercial saying like four out of five den- dentists recommend this toothpaste and then saying like, oh my God, it makes, you, you remember that line. That's so funny. It's so funny. But I'm like, I remember what I remember was, it, I think it was one of my first commercials I'd ever done because I remember saying it makes me, it makes my mouth feel so fresh and clean or something. And I was like, Hey guys, I've never tried this toothpaste. And they were like, it's fine. It's okay. And I was like, Oh my God, it's just totally a lie. <laughs> it's all a lie. <laughs> But yes, we, we, we finally, have you tried the toothpaste? I still have not tried the toothpaste. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it happens. It's okay. It's okay. It's make-believe. There's, there's other toothpaste out there that I think I might like better for me, but that's okay. <laughs> but it's how we met and we still have not done anything together yet, I say, but, um, yet. Yet. yet, but now you are, I mean, I'm, yeah. we've, we've had so much life that have pa- has passed between us since that toothpaste commercial moment. Um, but now you're doing, mm. now you just opened bad out of hell, right? Off Broadway. Yeah. Did you just open that yeah, like last weekend? Center. We opened it, um, last Thursday was our opening night Okay, and, um, yeah, it's been a total whirlwind of a ride because 
the story behind this is, well, originally it started in Toronto and then it went to London. Yeah. And then after doing so well in London, they wanted to do a U.S. tour. And I was cast to be in the U.S. tour starting back off in, in Toronto. Yeah. And then we were going to kick off the tour in Detroit and go through the whole year and end our tour at City Center in New York City. Well, long story short, what happened is the tour never took off. We ended up closing in Toronto early. Um, all of us were so devastated and heartbroken because this was like a production contract and it's like never happens on a production contract. It yeah. happens maybe on a CETA or something that's like not maybe as planned out, but, um, yeah. And why did it, really, it cl- why really did it close? Was there, was there a reason why it closed or did not go on the tour? It's always, it's the thing. Well, what happened from what I understand, and there could be truth to this, there could be semi-truth to this. We don't always know the full story because, yeah. you know, we're not the producers and we're not kind of behind the, the the team there. But from what I had heard from the director is that the lead producer in Toronto, who was backing a big majority of the money, pulled out. Okay. And usually people don't pull out at that point unless there's a reason. Yeah. And the reason might have been maybe creative differences. It could have been a, a bazillion different things. I'm totally speculating what the reason could be, but who knows? Um, but I had heard that they wanted to bring it back. And I mean, we're all kind of like in this business, you don't hold your breath. You're kind of like, okay, well, I've got to pick myself up and uh, dust myself off and kind of get back out there and, and see what happens. I mean, I mean, (laughs) it's so funny because this business is not like the corporate ladder at all. You don't step on one ladder and keep moving up. It doesn't work that way. It can be very linear and somebody can have major success and keep climbing and somebody can have huge success and then nothing. And then some people don't have anything until age 55 and then they hit it big. It's just, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And um, actually I saw something that you posted earlier today, which was so great. Um, I think one of your fans had asked why you weren't currently on Broadway. Yes. (laughs) It's along what we're talking about. It's yeah. It's not that I don't want to be on Broadway. It's just like, this is kind of what, what's happening now. This is a style of show that's happening now. And, um, and you also decided to move out to LA with beautiful weather and be with your family and to do a lot more TV film stuff, which you're doing and you're killing it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm killing it, but it's, but you, you brought up a good point because you, you can have a plan as to what you want to do with your career, what you would like to happen or even your life and things kind of, you know, like things either sway that way or not. And you're, you just kind of have to figure it out. And you're right in terms of the corporate ladder. Like it's not, it is not something in this industry where you can plan anything and expect anything. You can hope and you can have, you know, plans and a, and a path and all that stuff, but things can just kind of go awry or they can go really well, depending on, you know, however it just unfolds and you have to be able to roll with it. Right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So funny. It's the truth. It's the truth. And, you know, I think what I started saying is you just have to really surround yourself with people like your, your family, like your, your team, your friends, your family, all the people that you rely on for support. They've got to get it. They've got to understand what you do and why you do it because, um, and you know what, not everybody in your family and your network of friends is totally going to get it and they can still be a great support to you, but it's definitely important to have some core, core people in your life that really get it. And that can be a rock that you can lean on because sometimes you have good days. Sometimes you have bad days. Sometimes you need to be like, Hey, I've got an audition last minute. Can my kid just sit on this bench with you while I run in or, you know, just, 
Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, that is a whole different thing too, especially being a mom in this industry and, and a dad. I mean, it's like you have to juggle not only the artist schedule and all of that, but you have to figure out, um, the highs and the lows of it. You know, it's, it's a definitely, well, you're, I mean, you're on a high right now because obviously the tour didn't happen with this bad out of hell thing. And then it, it went into city center anyway, which is awesome. I mean, I, I consider, I've done encores at city center and I consider that like the people that come to see you, it's like being on Broadway. It's like a Broadway show. I mean, everyone that comes to see you and the, the level of it and the production value and all of that is just so great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, the fact that it's considered off-Broadway, I mean, it's actually, it's a pretty big house. It seats 2,400. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful theater. I mean, gorgeous. And yeah. um, it does. You're right. It feels like I'm playing a really big house. And I mean, it just, whether it's off-Broadway on, you know, Broadway, it's, I think it's just that small little nuance of, is it right on Broadway and right off of 42nd yeah, Street? Exactly. You know, we're adjacent. It's but, geography. It's just but, geography. You know, off- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, we've had great press. We've had, um, we were just on the Today Show this morning. I know. And, um, <laughs> and now it's exciting because you're exhausted. I know. And I, I was thrilled. I'm exhausted, but at the same time, a bit on a high on that because, um, unfortunately Lena Hall wasn't available, but fortunately for me, I'm her understudy. I was able to go on. So oh, nice. I got a chance to play a little bit of the lead on the today show the today. Oh my God. That that's awesome. And yeah, yeah. And the cast is just so incredibly, incredibly talented. The dancing, the singing, just it's so huge and epic and rock and roll. It's just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's meatloaf. It's like, you can't get any more epic in terms of like the music and the, you know, the orchestrations <laughs> and all of that, right? Yeah, it's about as big as it gets. That's for sure. It's all about crescendos and belting your face off and and dancing. And we've we're, we've got these great costumes and wigs, and it's it's just a lot of fun. And blue shiny lipstick, and it's just it's great. It's oh my god! So how long are you guys running, and what is the plan for this production? Of course, again, this is going to like there might be a plan, but you never know what's going to happen. But what is the projected plan exactly? Okay, so the projected plan right now is we're selling tickets until uh, the 8th of September with a possible extension to run to uh, September 22nd. Okay. So that's it for City Center. However, I'm hearing that the producers are looking at moving it to a Broadway house. Okay. But you know what? That's, again, that could they could decide to take it on the road instead, or they could decide to do it in a different country. I know that the producers want to have it keep moving along and what facet that happens. I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't think anybody's hundred percent sure. I think everybody would love for it to transfer to Broadway, of course. Of course. But um, you know, they we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You know, but you've also yeah. Yeah. You've also been in sorry, I was just gonna say you've been in the business long enough to know how difficult it can be to get into a Broadway house and it doesn't necessarily mean that the show isn't good or not. It's just like like the puzzle piece of figuring that out, right? Right. I mean, from a business stance, I mean, this t- there's a lot of shows that are kind of completing their their runs and some shows are closing. So there should be a few houses that are open, whether those houses can accommodate our sets, um, be within the budget that the producers are looking at. There's all that business side that a lot of people who want to be artists don't think about. Yeah. 
um, again, coming back to what you're talking about with the puzzle piece, um, you know, like puzzle piece we always talk about is like casting. Do we fit into the mix? Right. Yeah. But, um, it's so interesting. You know, I was, I was married to a director producer who was, I think a total genius when it comes to putting on a show. Um, yeah. We had a lot of fun putting a lot of things together, but you know, he really helped me understand the business side of what we do, which yes. was such a big gift because I think as an artist, we can be a little naive sometimes about what happens. And it may seem like the producers have all this money and they can make anything happen. And it's not true. They have, they're working with their hands tied sometimes in many different facets, you know? So yeah, it's, it's a really to think about another aspect of the business. That's a really good lesson. And I definitely want to have you, uh, because you, because you have had exposure to that side and, and, and been married to a producer and director. And like, you know, that, you know, it's a collaborative art, you know, a lot of, a lot of the reason, like, cause I think, I think actors and artists sometimes take things so personally and it's like, sometimes dude, it's just because you don't fit the costumes or it just is not the right fit. Or there's yeah. a thousand other things that is, that are going on. And it's not about, right. it's not about just you. And I think sometimes you said you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that, like, it's people can take it so personally or think that it's, it's, um, you know, it's a personal decision and it's, it's, that's the business. Like, like you were saying about like a Broadway house, yeah. the sets have to fit in that house. And if they don't, then that's the piece <laughs> of the puzzle that's not right. going to work. Right. Right. Or is the rent too high for this particular production? Or yeah. is the is the theater that we really want, that the producers want, available? Or, you know, there's just so many tiny little factors. You know, people just think they see the audition, you just audition, and if you're good, you're going to get it. But there's there's so many other things. I, I mean, I feel like everybody who we come across is talented. Like, everybody's talented. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just have to show up, be the right fit, the right time, the right day. You've got to be on, your, on point, ready to go. But, you know, I feel like when I look around at my particular cast, too, like how we are utilized. Yes, we are very challenged. Uh, we're singing our faces off. We're dancing. But the level of talent that's on that stage doesn't even allow everybody to shine to their fullest capacity because they are just so epically talented. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So somebody who's in the ensemble who's not singing a feature at that particular moment, you don't know that that person, like, walking down the hall two seconds later is just belting his face off and sounding amazing. Oh, my God, you know, yeah. The audience doesn't know that, but we do. <laughs> it was on stage, you know? Yeah, and most of us in the business, like, I've, so, I've known I've known Lena Hall since she was Selena Carvajal, and she was in the chorus of 42nd Street. I've known her for years, way before, you know, wait, you guys did 42nd street. We together? did 42nd street together when, when she, you know, this was, um, uh, oh my God, it was like two. Well, I was, I was sort of coming out of the show as she was coming into the show, but she, then she moved up to anytime Annie. Um, and I might be remembering the timeline differently, but I knew her as Selena Carvajal. And then she turned into Lena Hall, which yep. in the business, as we do, sometimes we change our name, we change things up. And she, um, you know, started, started doing more of, uh, like, like less of like 1933 tapping. Cause she's a phenomenal tap dancer, which is a total different side of her. Um, but I, I'm, I'm bringing her up as an example yeah. because she was in the ensemble and then she moved forward into the lead. And a lot of people don't know that people who are on Broadway, just because you happen to be in, you know, third row from the back or whatever, doesn't mean that you don't have the skills to be the lead. It's just, that's not the puzzle piece for you at the time or whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yep. Exactly. Or like the yeah. understudies as I, I, I have you know, to say that this business, 
Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that they're no, I was just saying, like, it's just such an interesting factor of like, you know, all the the timing I think that we were talking about and and fitting the puzzle piece in and and also how small this business is. And I love that we're just talking about people like, oh, you know this person, you know this person. I did 42nd Street. Like, it's just so great how yeah. we're kind of interwoven into each other's lives. Yes. And it's like we all need, kind of like Facebook. Like, you have a friend, we have a mutual <laughs> friend. And, you know. Yes. Most people who are in the yeah, entertainment industry on, on Facebook have like 100 friends that are in common. And you're like, what? Like, how is that possible? Like, that business. It's really crazy. And, you know, going back to, like the puzzle piece of Broadway, there was years ago when I, I wrote a blog before this podcast became, it was a blog first and then became a podcast. Um, I was talking about Broadway being just a word and saying like, you know, there's a lot of talented people who have done phenomenal work regionally around the country, even internationally, but have not yet had that Broadway stamp on their resume and how it can mess with you as an artist. And it can mess with you as like, you know, especially in the theater world, it's like, Mm, Oh, I haven't, I haven't climbed that mountain yet. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of politics and timing and all of the stuff that, that can happen for that, that to actually occur. And, Sometimes even when you've done a Broadway show, it's like, I was just doing a a, a Broadway camp and we were all sitting around talking about, well, how many Broadway shows have you done? And I'm like, does that matter? (laughs) Like, does, you know what I mean? So I I kind of want to touch on that with you because I think you are just, I've seen you on stage. You have one of the most beautiful voices. I've seen you play roles, been lucky enough to to see you at Flat Rock and I'm like, oh my God, she is just a phenomenal talent. And, and you have not done Broadway yet. You haven't officially done Broadway yet. Right. Quote unquote. Right. I mean, yeah. I've done production contracts, you know, yeah. what a Broadway show, when they think of Broadway show, you have a production contract. I've done production contracts that haven't actually occurred inside of a Broadway house in New York city. Yes. <laughs> um, but I have to agree with you. Yes. It, it really it doesn't bother me anymore because I've had a different point of view about it than I used to. Mm-hmm. But when I was younger, so much of my worth and so much of like, I had this idea in my mind that in order to tell other people that I was successful as an artist, yeah, I had to have this Broadway credit. Yep. And, um, and I think what also gets into people's heads, so that gets in our way. Then you start doubting your talent. You start poo-pooing all the ideas and all the things that you've done and all the shows that you've done and all the great work that you've done Yeah, and saying it's not good enough, but it's not Broadway. I mean, I've done some really, really awesome roles regionally that, oh, I, yeah. that made me grow so much. I mean, Flat Rock Playhouse, I think I, there was times I was performing three concerts, doing five shows. Like I was just, it made me learn things so quickly. Yeah. But I was like, oh, but it's Flat Rock again, not a Broadway show. But now that I'm kind of thinking about things a little bit differently, I can look back on it and say, but you know what? I grew so much and I never maybe would have had that wonderful opportunity to get in the other theater to play that role or to play the role. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to point on. To play the role, right? We always talk about these here. We have our, our bucket list, right? Play the role to get a chance to play. Yeah. You know, because um, that's what we do. I mean, it's not, it, it is a business, but we got into this because 
for me, it's a calling. Like I don't feel like my true self if I'm not doing some sort of artistically fulfilling performance, creation, something. Yeah. Something has to be in the works for me. And I feel off when nothing's happening in that way. And that doesn't mean I have to rely on somebody else to give it to me. I can kind of create it for myself. Um, I can, I'm talking with a friend about writing a web series um that yeah. be like a really funny little spoof on some things but um I can't divulge any information quite yet but um <laughs> it, we're both really really excited about starting to work on it um no and you have to do stuff to do like that thing. yeah 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 but I, I wanted to say one other thing about I think agents and I mean I don't know why they do this, but they say things like, oh, well, you only have one Broadway credit. We're bringing in with people like three Broadway credits, like casting directors. And, and I think it's a way for them to kind of weed people out. But it's, yeah. it's so it's so unfortunate because they're missing such great talent that way. Yeah. But again, this comes back to the the politics and all that stuff of it. So I think that alone can also get into actors' heads. You know, my, my agent said this, or I didn't book in a year. My agent's going to drop me. And, you know, we've, we've kind of all been through weird ups and downs on the business side and and our representation, but, um, yeah, I've had some really good reps and, um, and you know, it's so funny. People are always asking me who my agent is and I haven't had an agent in years. I love, and usually now that's more common, I think probably on the, on the West coast to just have a manager, right? Like a manager. can. I guess so. I guess so. But I, you know, I've always had an agent. Like I just recently haven't had an agent because I just can't get one. It's really strange, but that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I'm kind of in the same thing too. Like I was trying really hard. So I had a manager and I, I really liked them, but I just, I didn't feel like they were doing it for me. Like I want, I had such high expectations of what they should be able to do. Yeah. Um, but, and then I couldn't really get an agent because I was really, really honest, too honest about what I wanted and what I was willing to travel and travel out for. They wanted me to go in there and say, yes, yes, you can send me on anything you want. I'll put my family on hold and I'll go to Alaska and make $200 a week. Well, that's great for somebody at a certain point of their career. But for me at this point, I've got a child at home. I'm not going to leave and go all the way across the country for two yeah. hours a week. No, it's not of course not. It. Of course you know? not. Um, and then when you start saying these things, this agent's like, well, we're going to pass on her, you know, but honestly, it was probably, I'd probably dodged a bullet, but on the, yeah, end, that sounds like you dodged I a bullet. I manager. <laughs> I have this amazing manager who's so supportive of my family life, my career, my second career as being a speech pathologist. Yes, which I'd love um, to talk about too. Yeah, That's they, so fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 I feel like yeah. I feel like if you tell an agent, this is a good lesson because if you tell an agent what you what you see your career as and what you would like to go for and you're specific and they're kind of like, mm, well, that's not really then you're like, okay, no, then you're not for me because you really should have somebody who is an exactly. extension of you and representing what you want because the company is you, you are the CEO, they work for you. So if you think of yourself as like, you know, mm-hmm. um, a multi-million dollar commodity, which is what I, you know, I had a rep tell me that back in the day. And I was like, I was like, yeah, that makes, that makes sense. You know, you don't want to love that. You don't want to be like egotistical about it, but you want to think of yourself as a company that is worth millions of dollars and you are paying a percentage 10% to that agent. So you want that person to be, Mm -hmm. you know, you guys want to be on board together. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
You need to be a good collaborative team. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And working towards the same goal. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you have a life outside of this business and your life is not, your life should not be just the business. You have to have, you know, uh, relationships and, and, and children and all of those things and, and make, make space and balance for them, you know, as a mom. Yeah. And that was really interesting because I didn't, I didn't know that I wanted children because I was so gung ho on my career. And I have to say that it's the best thing I have ever done. Yeah. She, when I have a bad audition day, I don't care. I go home and my life is so full. I've got so many things. I'm, I have so much fun with her and she reminds me to be playful and imaginative and youthful and, and have a wonderful charismatic childlike quality that I think people who don't have that in their life as they go on into the business, when their business becomes everything and that business maybe doesn't pay off. I hope it pays off for them, but sometimes I've seen that it doesn't always pay off for certain people. They don't have anything else and it's, it can be really hard. You know, um, yeah, the highs and the lows of it can everybody should have a child. No, of course. I mean, no, if you don't have other things in your life that are really important. Yeah. Everybody have kids. Come on. Everybody have kids just to, yeah, no, but no, you, you bring up a good point because, um, it, it is true that, that it brings you out of, out of your, yourself, if that makes sense, because this business can be, there's a lot of highs and lows and you can be overthinking everything and all that stuff. And, and when you go do your, you go do your work and then you come home to a child or, uh, you know, or, or, you know, it could be a dog, it could be a pet, it can be any, any, um, any other part of your life that is full, a relationship, all of those things. And you Mm -hmm. take yourself out of, you take yourself out of yourself and go, okay, this is what, cause in the end, you know, relationships and friendships and, you know, children and family and all that stuff is what really matters because coming from, I don't know if you have right. any friends who are, um, happen to be like high up in the business, meaning like famous or have a lot of money or clout or whatever. Sometimes what I find, um, mm-hmm. in talking with them is that there's a piece of that that's missing for them. Some people have it all, which is awesome, but like there, there is some, because they've been so business, business, business that when it starts to slow down or it starts to dip a little bit, they realize they don't have that, um, family friends or, you know, kids really. Yeah. It's just so funny. I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this and it kind of, he kind of said the same thing too. He's like, I just focused so much on my business and I really am ready for like a family now. I really would like to have this other thing. I want to have it all, you yeah. know, meaning he doesn't need to work a hundred percent all the time. He has a decent amount of success and, but what would make him feel really full and fulfilled is having balance. Yep. And I think what balance means to everybody means something a little bit different. So, um, whether balance, I think balance of like making sure you're taking care of you, like the self-love, self-care, yeah. yoga, working out, whatever it is for you, make sure it's other things that you have in your life. Amazing friends, family, you know, great relationships, t- but really also self-care. Like, oh, that's so big. easy, especially as, as a parent in this business. Oh you, yeah. You need to make sure you <laughs> take care of yourself. Yeah, you, you need know, to, you and need also to. people don't you don't realize. Yeah, it's fun to perform, but you're also taking care of the audience, right? You're performing and giving so much when you're on stage. You have to take care of you. Oh, absolutely. You have to fill up your cup so then you can then give 
to others. You know what I mean? If, if, if you're just constantly giving and giving and giving, and I find that a lot of, um, you know, I don't want to exclude the men, but a lot of women do that. If you are a caregiver and you are, you know, taking care of your kids or your dogs or whoever you're taking care of, and then you then go and perform, you're still taking care of everybody else. And then you forget about yourself. Yeah, That's a big lesson for... It's easy thing to do. Yeah. And not just artists. I feel like anybody needs to really have that balance and take care of themselves. And what do you... what do you find works best for you in self-care and taking care of yourself? I think I need different things at different times. Like, yeah. um, like right now, because this is such a really dance heavy show for me, I'm a sing actress first and I move. So, but this is a very dance heavy show and we've worked really, really hard yeah. to make our bodies move in these very right angled, um, shapes. And, um, Zena actually, um, is our associate because the choreographer's name has been taken off the project. Oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> Zena has been, yeah. Yeah. So Zena actually has kind of rejudged it a little bit. Um, I think she probably would want to put a little bit more of her own stamp on it. Yeah. Um, if she, um, had maybe more time, we just went in and had such little time yeah. to, um, rehearse after this tour because the producers gave us two weeks basically to put the show back up together and then we were in tech my body is really sore and and you know I'm getting a little older so when you dance when you're a little bit older things don't bounce back quite as oh honey I know what you're doing <laughs> what do you mean? So I feel like a, a massage on my day off is lovely. Um, I've been doing a lot of stretching and yoga. And I also, I have this insight app that I love. And actually, I really got my daughter into it. It's um, a meditation app. Oh, I know that app. Meditate with people all over the world. Yes, insight. Oh I love that app. Um, it's so great. They should sponsor this yeah, podcast. And, um <laughs> I've they talked should. about they it. I've really talked, I've, I've talked about that app. I think, I think I've ta- actually talked about it on the podcast before, but, um, yeah, it's really great for meditating. Oh, I love it. And then you, you find there's sometimes there's some courses you can take. Um, yeah. So my daughter, I have to say ever since I started listening to a child's meditation with her at nighttime, she mm-hmm. sleeps so much better. There was a period of time she was waking up every night, climbing into bed with me. And I was really trying to break that habit. And, yeah. um, yeah, we started doing meditation at night and it's really helped. Oh, that's so great. And I, you know, so, I'm, I'm so yeah, I'm I'm at LA. My my kids are LA kids, so they they meditate at school. <laughs> I found that both they do? both Max That's amazing. And, I know. I was like, oh, you guys. They came home and they were like, yeah, we were meditating. And I was like, you're meditating at school? Like you're doing Friday yogas and things like that, like yoga session. And I find that the the mindfulness that's coming into the next generation. Um, is so important to self-care. I'm going to like get holistic for a second, but all of that stuff is really, really Uh important, not just for artists because of the highs and lows of our business, but for people in general, because we are in a, we're in a, a society where everyone's comparing the other person to like, Oh, you have this house, you have this car, you have this career. I should have this. I should have that. And you need to quiet your brain not, not just at the end of the night, but always. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think even like before you step on stage to get focused, quiet your brain for a hot second. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. And I love that you're saying, um, 
like this next generation is becoming more mindful. It's not so woo-woo as it is, I think, maybe for our generation. Like, our parents were not into it hardly at all. If yeah. They were, they were, like, total hippies or something, right? And then yeah. we were considered, you know, granola or hippie if we kind of followed in line with it. But then it's starting to kind of become more – I know it's very much more – um, involved in everybody's life in, in LA and on the West coast. It's at the norm out there, whereas it's it's considered a little out there, like Midwest area, you know, but I feel like people are starting to come around. There's a lot more yoga studios, a lot more meditation studios, more retreats. It's a little bit more easy to access. And I think the easier it is to access, the more people are open to it. Yeah. And I think that, I think you, uh, you said it best when you're like, you know, it's, it's, it's not so woo woo. It's really becoming a, a part of people's lives. Just taking like my kids take deep breaths when they're upset. Like once they calm down, they're like taking like 10 deep breaths. And that's like such a, it's, it's a yogic, or, I don't know if I said that right. A yoga thing where you take, like, you can take breaths. A yogi. Deep, yeah. Th- yeah. yeah the, yogi, yogi breaths, yogi breath. breath. I don't know. <laughs> whatever, but they, they're they're doing it instinctually too. It's so funny. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's like, you know, cause Ellie is now, is she eight now? Your daughter? She's seven. She's seven. She'll be turning eight in October. Oh my God. I can't, I can't believe it. But yeah, she's, I mean, her and Max, like, it's the, and, and even, you know, um, our youngest Billy, like they, they take those deep breaths and it's like instinctual. So, in terms of self-care for people in general, artists, actresses, actors, singers, all of it, like finding whatever works for you, whether it's an app or it's something, you know, yoga, stretching, I think, especially because you're doing all that dancing is like imperative. Going forward, like I I know that you've done some TV and film. Is there like, I know that New York has got a lot more of that. Is that of interest to you? Do you feel like you want to do more of that? Have you Cause I never know. Like you look at someone's resume and you're like, I, I do. Don't, yeah. yeah Cause, cause I, I think you. you'd be so I, great at it. Thank you. I would, I would really love it. And I, I feel actually pretty comfortable in front of the camera. The more auditions I've done, um, there's been a lot of self tapings that I've sent myself on. Um, yeah. I haven't booked anything in New York. I've booked actually some things out in Pittsburgh, a couple of different shows in Pittsburgh. Oh, nice. And, um, which, you know, I was kind of brought on as a local hire for, um, as a, on their episodics there. And it's been great cause it's kind of taught me a little bit what it's like. Um, I'd love to do more. Um, but it's just like anything kind of breaking into it. So I have to, my goal is actually after the show closes to really kind of hit that hard yeah. to work on my reel to, um, you know, start really networking with some casting directors and, um, and start working on this web series with my friends. So we can kind of get our names out there and yeah. um, just be working and creating something, you know, and- creating something is really important for artists to do nowadays. I, I constantly talk about that in this podcast because I feel like sometimes that people, especially, um, more our generation where we're like, we sit back and, and, and at least I'm used to sitting back and waiting for an audition to come and you can't do that anymore. No, it's weird. Everything's moving so fast. Everything's social media now. How many followers do you have? Like, yep. It's just, and that's something I'm really trying to be more comfortable with. It's not really within my comfort zone. Me either. (laughs) um, There's a lot of, yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of my, I mean, I think for the generation that's, you know, younger than us, like there's a lot of what I'm going to call kids in the cast that I'm with, you know, but they're in like 
their mid to their you know yeah young twenties you know maybe mid twenties they're just yeah. they're like on social media all the time showing this doing that and it's second nature they didn't even think about it you and I have to be like okay let's put some thought into this what do we want to do we have to like they just do it they know Constantly. I know. Yeah. And my, and, my, and then my dad, on the other hand, he's like, he gets Facebook, but he only like stalks people. He doesn't ever post anything. He'll like maybe like something, but it's you know, such we'll say, a... oh, yeah, I saw it. I'm like, did you like it, dad? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, they just, they just look at what's happening. But doing a web series oh, is so God. important. You know, I mean, like me doing this podcast was something that I was like, okay, I guess I have to do this kind of stuff. But I, I really actually, as I'm, as I've launched into it, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the connection with, you know, my tribe of people and, and like a- other actors and other artists. I really love it. But, um, doing a web series is really smart. And how did that kind of come about? I mean, I know that you're in the middle of working on it. Um, but you and your friend just kind of were like, well, I've always, so this is kind of how it came to be. There's, there's this individual that I have worked with, uh, catering, ironically, and he's always one of my favorite people. Um, I just don't want to say his name because I don't know if he wants me to say his name like, <laughs> okay. on, on a podcast That's yet. That's okay. But, um, <laughs> I mean, um, but anyway, um, so we we always worked together. And he, whenever we worked together, he would just make me laugh hysterically. Yeah. And we, we always just banter really well off of each other. And I always told him, because he does a lot of film work, you know, and it's more of like small films, things that he's done to kind of create his reel and just networking in his own world. Yeah. And I'm like, we need to write something. We need to write something. Well, he just came to see my show and we were having dinner once again, talking about life. And he, he's just one of those individuals that finds himself in very strange situations, but knows how to spin it and make it very funny. Yeah. And that's such a gift. And because he's funny like that, he brings out my funny. And (laughs) so we were just talking about a couple ideas. So, and it's something I've always wanted to do. Do I know how to do a web series? No, but I'm going to figure it out. But I didn't, I mean, um, that's exactly what you have to do. Exactly. Exactly. In this day (laughs) and age, like I didn't know how to do a podcast and I started this and I was like, okay, I have no clue what we're doing, but it's just, you you just have to kind of jump in with both feet and figure it out as you go. And be, and be creative before you're critical. Um, that's a big lesson, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, because if you're critical and you want the end product before you even started creating, you're never going to get anywhere. That's so true. That's so true. Well, that's exciting. I'm, I'm excited to like, you know, now, now, well, now you put it out there in the podcast. So now that that's like a, yeah, so now I've got to do it, right? Now you've got, I'm going to keep you accountable. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like, Mosier, have you done it yet? Have yeah. you done your web series? When is it happening? <laughs> no, that's awesome. When is it happening? Well, I think we need to sit down and, and start writing. So I'm like, now that things are going to calm down a little bit, now that we have the show opened and we're not rehearsing all the time, I can kind of like wrap my head around it a little bit. And, um, and I'm almost done with my fellowship. So that's going to open up a little bit more time for myself too. Um, cause Speech pathology. Oh, going back to that, that another career. I've always wanted another career where I could, you know, not, not feel like I have to take every single acting job that comes down the pike just to pay a bill. Like I thought that was kind of detrimental to my artist soul, if you will. I wanted to do projects that I was really excited to do, not just to pay a bill. And, um, and it's funny because originally I felt like in order to be successful, I had to pay all my bills doing my art. 
But then that became so, there was so much pressure. You know, yeah. I felt the pressure, the pressure. Uh, I think when I walked in the room, you better cast me. I got to pay my rent. You know, that pressure. No, you're so, that's so right. Probably like, this person seems like really needy. It changes your energy when you have it does. something it totally else. does. Yeah, absolutely. Very smart to yep. do that. <laughs> absolutely. You're, I'm so much more calm. Mm-hmm. I'm so much more like so much more at ease. Um, and I wasn't early on. I used to be very nervous at auditions. Now I actually really enjoy it. But um, yeah, but yeah. so I always wanted something where I would make really good money doing something I really like to do that provided me the flexibility that wasn't bartending, working in a loud bar or um, a restaurant because, you know, that's not always the best for our voice if we're trying to like sing and we're talking over loud environments. So I just really wanted something that made a difference and that I enjoy doing. And, um, I came across speech pathology and my initial, um, and I don't even know if you know this, but, um, and I, I'd like to talk about it because yeah. actually a lot of people have, um, uh, like they, they kind of get concerned about situations whenever there's a vocal injury or an injury of any type. Um, yeah. when I was doing Mama Mia in Las Vegas, I discovered that I have nodules and there were bilateral nodules. I had them on each vocal fold and they, and actually I think they were beyond nodules. I think I've had them for a long time and they just became so inflamed that they kind of turned into polyps right. and they were not going anywhere. And I didn't sound terrible. I just noticed that singing was not as easy as it used to be. I had yeah. like this break in my facade. And I went to see this amazing doctor in Philadelphia and he's like, well, you can try therapy for a while or you can get surgery. And after really thinking about it and getting a second opinion that I opted for the surgery so I could have, so I could have a longer career. And, um, I didn't know that you had surgery. That's amazing. No, it's like the most difficult thing artistically I've ever done because it, it really, I had to have so much faith that it was going to be okay. Um, yeah that it was, you know, and what happened is I learned so much about my voice. I learned from, um, how to be, how to really like know what my voice was capable of and to not push it and try to make it something that it's not. Cause I think yeah. a lot of times we do that. You're like, Oh, that person's singing like this. Let me try to sing like that. I'm literally the, 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 the person who <laughs> tries to sound like everyone else. And I'm like, that's not what my voice does. And what's so interesting is that we haven't even talked about like how, like you can, you have this amazingly high belt and amazing voice. And to think that you, that these not, these nodules were created from possibly belting. I mean, do you know how they were created? Did the doctor say that? Was it from singing uh, wrong or yeah. I don't know. I think it was more, no, I think, no, I don't, I really, and that's the thing is I think it was more lifestyle choices at the time. I was, I was young. I was in my twenties. I was working, I was in a rock and roll band. I was also, um, working at a, at a nightclub, not a bar, but a nightclub. And I was working until four or 5 AM. There was, this is back when you were allowed to smoke inside. Oh yeah. So it was loud music talking all night long in smoke. Then I perform on top of it. So it was just a bunch of things. And also at that time, I'm like, I've got cords of steel. I'm indestructible. No, Erin, you're not, (laughs) you know, so says um, every person in their twenties who's singing. Yeah, (laughs) clearly. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, of course. 
So, um, so I went through that and then, so it was really the, um, the therapy that I went through that I really fell in love with voice therapy. And, and then what happened is when I had my daughter, she was a little bit of a late talker and there was this program that's provided by the state. It's called early intervention and they help provide children with assistance to help them if they are a little late blooming with their talking or whatever, any assistance they may need in that way. Um, and I fell in love with, I'm like, oh, this is also speech pathology. And then as I looked into a little bit more and started investigating that as an option, I thought, you know, I feel so passionate about me personally going through speech pathology as healing my voice here on top of it from a language perspective. It, it really helps young kids. It can also help people who have had strokes. It just seemed like such a cool thing. You know? Oh, it's so, so awesome. Um, I'm now actually... I'm now actually working and doing early intervention during my fellowship. And a fellowship is like nine months after I graduated. Um, I get paid and everything. It's just I don't get, I have to get certain hours done by a certain period of time. So I'm kind of a little bit like locked into a contract, if you will. Yeah. Um, But eventually what I'd really like to do is um, actually have my own voice studio and really kind of work with people who have overused voices or, so not not technically a voice teacher, but somebody who you go to kind of like a Joan Later who's like, okay, you've got to make it through the show and you're having some vocal issues. Let me, let me help you with that. So that's so amazing. So I'm hoping. No, that's that is amazing. That's, the future. That is probably one of the greatest. Um, you know, when you have a story that's a personal connection like that, and you are the singer that you are, to be able to then be a speech pathologist and come from the artist side as well as the, um, I guess you would say the medical side, like to have both of those things. Uh, is just incredible. And you're also helping people, which I find that a lot of artists who have a side hustle or something on the side, they really want it to be something that is going to change people's lives for the better to help and not just be a waitress. Not that waitresses don't help people, but you know what I mean? Like something that, that fulfills you in, in a, in another way, bigger global picture. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's awesome. That is so great. You know, when I was, when I was about 18, when I came to New York, I found out that I had nodes because my vocal teacher was like, how did you learn how to sing? And I was like, I was in a blues band. It's so funny. I didn't know that we had this kind of like linear story a little bit, but I, um, I was in a blues band and I had, I had nodes. I got, I developed nodes from just singing. Not, I wasn't really trained and I had to go on vocal rest. I didn't get surgery. Mm -hmm. I went on vocal rest for two weeks to see if the nodes would go down or the, um, they weren't, Mm -hmm. they were sort of like blister form, if you will, instead of like, you know, uh, something that could be cut out. And because they went down after two weeks of complete vocal rest, I went on another two weeks and I was silent for, a full month. Imagine that. Wow. <laughs> Me who talked. Yeah. So I have, uh, I know, I know. That's so funny. So when I had surgery, I had to be on complete vocal rest. I did a lot of vocal rest, but I had to be on complete vocal rest for one week. Then they wanted me to start talking. Get this one minute out of every 10 minutes. So what okay. does that mean? I walk around with a stopwatch oh my God. <laughs> and I'm writing. And I'm like, Oh, Great. I can speak for one minute. So I'm talking, talking, talking. And then I'm like, wait, my minute's up. Let me finish my thought. And then I'm writing to you. So it was, it was That's very so crazy. That was actually harder. I'd rather just be completely silent. Yeah. But uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to ask you one question. As a speak, speech pathologist, do you find yeah. that talking is, is 
damaging to your voice, um, just as much as maybe like screaming or yelling or, you know, cause I've heard that before, like talking is probably one of the worst things, like talking over loud music or something like yeah. that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a weird thing actually. And in my training, like, so, you know, like a lot of times, you know, it makes sense, right? You think about people who can't hear as well, right? Mm-hmm. And they naturally speak loud because they can't hear. And what yeah. happens in your brain, if you can't hear yourself, you automatically push. You're not even, it's not even a conscious thing. You yeah. automatically push to be heard inside your head, right? Yep. So what happens is when you're in a loud environment, you're automatically, without you even consciously thinking that you're doing it, you're going to be louder. And then somebody's going to say, what, what? I couldn't hear you. And then now you're intentionally on top of it being even louder than that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing. Um, and I think besides just that, also making sure that you speak properly, because a lot of times people use proper form, support, supporting voice when they're actually singing, but not so much when they're speaking. Yeah. So, um, when I, I actually did a really great internship at, um, Columbia university head and neck cancer, uh, center, which I, I got a chance to like actually scope people, oh, wow. um, like through the nose and like the rigid thing through the mouth. Yeah. It was really fun. And we did a lot of therapy. And so we, we did specific therapy to actually help align the, the vocal cords and release muscle muscular tension, as well as do specific exercises. And besides some of these exercises, specifically just teaching people how to speak properly, mm-hmm. to use, um, their forward resonators, you know, cause we don't always think about that. A lot of people kind of talk farther back in their mouth. For the rest of this interview, I'm going to be like, You're like I'm, thinking speaking? Forward. I'm, I'm thinking forward, <laughs> you know, like all those speech. I, cause I had, I had voice <laughs> speech when I was in school and, and you, you sort of make fun of it at the time, but then you're like, if I'm glottal stopping or all these things that we know as, as artists, it's like, it's, it's something that is really important to think of, but the fact that you come from a singer background mm-hmm. and now are, are, are teaching people how to do this. It's just, it's just so beneficial. It's so great. And I, I'm just like, how would people get in touch with you? Do you have like, a a website for, for your speech pathology? Do you have that yet? Or so I don't yet because I'm still in my fellowship. So technically I'm not able to take on and start my own private practice Okay, with my fellowship, which will be done in October. Okay. So what I can do is, um, maybe we could do like a little plug for me or something like that. In October, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely love to do a little something or, you know, where people can reach out to me, but I do need to make like a little website. Do you have any good ideas? What should I call my, my, uh, studio, I don't know. my voice studio? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> that would be, that, that will be, a brainstorming session, but even if you go, cause I know you have a website for yes, your, for acting, you could have it linked to that, you know, all the bit, you know, that, that would be, yeah. that yeah, would be good. good, but that's so great. I think that yeah. that is such a, it's such a beneficial, you know, cause you know that I'm a massage therapist. I'm licensed in California. Um, as I went to the national holistic Institute. You are? Here. Why have you never massaged me? I am. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I actually, uh, I work, I work here, um, at a spa and I'm, uh, I, I've been wanting to maybe couple myself with a, a chiropractic office at some point because I do come from a dance background and I, and so I'm, I've been, um, yeah. getting massages since I can remember. And just like you coming from a singer background and then being a speech pathologist, I am coming from a dancer background and then being a massage therapist. That's my side hustle. And I yeah. love it. I didn't really think I would like it. I wasn't sure, but there's, 
there's just that feeling of being able to, and I guess this kind of, it's kind of the way you feel on stage where you feel like you're helping people get out of the place that they were in. Right. I mean, you're sort of, you're, you're sending them on their way with, um, feeling a little better than they did when they came into you to see you. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah. You're making, you're making ripple effects in the world that are positive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, without sounding too cheesy about it, I mean, I, I mean, that's, I, I hope that I can pass some good energy onto other people that hopefully passes that energy onto other people. And it becomes like a little ripple effect. Like you said, I mean, that's yeah. a goal. I mean, can't just be here just for ourselves. Right. I know. And I feel like that, that is as, as artists, as well as, you know, any side hustle that you do, like, I feel like when you have that, intention in the world, it just, it just makes you feel better. And then you have your, your child or your, your, your friends or whoever to come to, and then just, just, um, have you enjoy life and be in the present moment and just ride the wave when you can, you know? And I hope for me, I'm, I am celebrating you always. I know we don't talk very often, but like, I'm celebrating this bad out of hell show going to Broadway because it just makes sense to me. It makes sense, you know, but I know that the way this business works, whatever, whatever happens with that, I think that the journey that you're going on is as long as you feel like you're going in the right direction, like your gut is guiding you. Um, you can really do no wrong. I mean, you never, you never know what's coming around the Mm. corner. Right. So true. You're so, so true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I'm (laughs) celebrating you too. You're doing so many wonderful things and I love that you have this podcast and I I love that, you know, people are listening in and hopefully getting some insight and some ideas about how this works for different people from different perspectives. I think it's really wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for being my guest and I just adore you and I'm sending you so much love and, and support and happiness and all of it. And I'm, I'm excited to hear uh, about the web series and, and the next, uh, the next phase of what's going to happen with that. <laughs> Yay. All right. Yay. Awesome. Thank <laughs> I'll you. keep you posted. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please support us by sharing it on social media with your family and friends. Head on over to Instagram and follow us at Confessions of an Actress and go to confessionsofanactress.com and make a donation. And remember, have vision for what you want, but be grateful for where you are.